Welcome to the Money Pilot Financial Advisor Podcast, where you team up with Money Pilot founder, former Army helicopter pilot, and your host, Katie Cannon, to put your money where your heart is. Together, we'll tackle issues big and small so you can take charge and land your financial life. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. Last week, we talked a bit about estate planning, especially wills, advanced health care directives, and the importance of beneficiary designations. What I didn't really talk much about was trusts. That's partly because most people don't need them. But if you do, you do. So today, we'll talk a little bit about deciding when you need a trust and a few tips for getting one if you do. So what exactly is a trust anyway? A trust is a fiduciary responsibility where one person called a trustor or grantor gives another person, the trustee, the right to hold title to property or assets for the benefit of a third person, the beneficiary. Let's tackle this one part at a time. First, a trust is a fiduciary responsibility. I actually love the word fiduciary because I'm a fiduciary too. A fiduciary is a person or organization that acts on behalf of another person, putting their client's interest ahead of their own with a duty to preserve good faith and trust. Being a fiduciary requires being bound both legally and ethically to act in the other's best interests. All right, so trust involves three parties. The first is called the trustor or grantor. If you're going to establish a trust, that's you. You take some or all of your assets, like money, retirement account, house, a car, basically anything you own, and you put it into the trust. You establish the rules for what will happen with the trust funds when you set it up. Now you don't own those assets anymore. The trust does and controls it. Depending on the trust, you may be able to get your assets back out, but often it's a one-way trip. The trustee is the person or organization that manages the trust for you. They're the one with the fiduciary duty. They are required to manage the trust the way you decided and the lawyer put in the trust documents. One of the key parts of the trust document is naming the third person. That's the beneficiary or beneficiaries. That beneficiary will benefit from the trust. That is, they get money or other assets from the trust based on what you laid out. Okay, to rehash really quick, if you're setting up a trust, you're the trustor, or sometimes called a grantor. You and your lawyer draft up trust documents setting up the trust. Then you put some of your assets into the trust where the trustee now controls them. Your trustee is then duty bound to carry out your instructions for the benefit of your beneficiary. At this point, you may be thinking, 
Sounds like a pain. Plus, I don't like giving up control of my money. And what's this beneficiary going to spend my hard-earned money on anyway? You're right. In your life, you probably are the best person to control your stuff and spend your money. And when you die, you can parcel it all out according to your last will and testament. Wills are cheaper, easier to draft, and easier to change than trusts too. What a trust can do for you is give you control through the trustee during and after death. Let's say, for example, you're married for the second time. Your poor first spouse passed away, and you have an adult son from your first marriage. He became a bit of a wild child after his mom died, and he got in a car wreck. He still deals with pain from the old injuries. He barely keeps a low-paying job, and you think he might be addicted to painkillers. You've been helping support him. What happens, though, if, God forbid, you die unexpectedly? Well, if you don't have a will, everything will go to your new wife. Your son won't get anything. If you listed him as a beneficiary on an account or did have a will, leaving him with some inheritance, he'd have money to help him survive. But you're worried he'd waste it, burn through it in no time at all, leaving him with nothing. And that's money you could have just left to your new spouse. This may be a good case for a trust. You could set up a trust for your son that would provide him with regular but limited assistance, like for health care or housing, even after you die. You set down the guidelines, and the trustee would manage the trust and provide the beneficiary son according to the trust documents. There are many different kinds of trusts. If you have a special need, there is likely a trust that would work for your situation. The reason we usually associate trusts with wealthy trust fund babies is that most people who use trusts do it for tax reasons. If you die owning a lot of assets, you may have to pay estate taxes. That's 40 Yes, 4-0% federal estate tax. And some states also have state inheritance or estate taxes on top of that. So many trusts are set up, at least in part, to minimize the amount of tax someone pays at death and allows them to pass on more of their wealth to loved ones or charity. The Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 raised the estate tax exemption, that is the amount of money you don't have to pay estate tax on, to $11,580,000. So if you own more than $11 million worth of things, or more than $22 million if you're a married couple, you're probably looking at several ways, including maybe trusts, to minimize your taxes. Not you. Yeah, me neither. But Congress seems to like tinkering with the estate tax exemption. Less than 20 years ago, it was well under a um, million dollars. When the Tax Cut and Jobs Act expires in 2025, the exemption is supposed to drop back $5.5 million. But who knows? So for now, at the $11 million plus level, 
the vast majority of Americans aren't affected. It's just something to keep your eye on if you already have or think you will have that kind of wealth. So now, back to the rest of us. We've just mentioned tax reduction as a possible reason to create a trust, and the story of the loved but wayward son from a previous marriage. Special needs children or disabled relatives may be another reason to look into a trust that would continue to provide for them after you die. And in general, a blended family, especially second marriages with children from a previous marriage or non-traditional families might consider trusts. For example, die without a will or designated beneficiaries and your assets pass to your spouse if you're married or other relatives based on state law. Children you raised but didn't adopt or an unmarried life partner might not get anything. Even with a will, others may contest your witches in probate court after your death, especially if other family members who would lose out or didn't approve of your life choices. If your extended family is a little more Jerry Springer and less leave it to Beaver, it could be a real mess. That would be another reason to consider a trust. If you remember from last week, a will only affects things that go through court probate. A trust can avoid probate entirely. Make sure your wishes aren't second-guessed and keep your things out of reach of the Jerry Springer mob. There are lots of different trusts, and I couldn't possibly get through all of them, even in a month of podcasts. Some last for as long as you're alive. Some begin at your death. Others carry over from life till after death. And there's even one that can last for generations. It all depends on your goals and needs. You can set up a trust to provide income to a spouse after you die. Then when they die, the remainder goes to someone else. There's a trust to give income to charity until you die. And then the rest goes to another beneficiary, often adult children, and more. In general, a trust can be revocable or irrevocable. A revocable trust is a trust that can be changed at any time in any way during your lifetime, including totally revoking it. This gives you lots of flexibility if your life circumstances change over time. The opposite of that is an irrevocable trust, which cannot be changed or revoked after you sign the trust documents. Why would anyone give up the chance to revoke a trust if they might need to? Because it removes it from their estate. They no longer own what they put in the trust, so they won't pay estate taxes on it. That's why it's the 40% tax incentive. Are you single or married with no kids? Modest savings? You're likely fine with just a will. If you have children, the priority should be to designate in your will loving and willing guardians to take care of them if you die prematurely. If you have assets or life insurance you plan to leave children, 
you might consider a trust to manage it while the children are still minors. If you have a blended family and want to be sure everyone is taken care of the way you intend, or if you want to disinherit someone or prevent them from benefiting from your death, you may also want to consider a trust. By now, you may feel like you've got more questions than answers. That's okay. It's normal. Or maybe you're feeling pressure to just jump on the trust bandwagon. Don't. That's okay, too. It all depends on your needs and wants. Trusts are also more complicated and cost more to establish than a simple will. And trusts really need to be set up by a lawyer. How can you save money if you're considering a trust? know what you want to accomplish. Like I've said, there are a lot of trust options and an estate attorney can help guide you through your decision. Just remember, the more complicated your situation and the longer it takes, the more it will cost an attorney fees. Go in with a clear understanding of what your needs are or what you want to accomplish. You don't have to know which trust vehicle will get you there. That's part of the lawyer's job, but you need to know where you want to go. What would success look like for you? If you're working with a financial planner, they're a great place to start. They already know your personal and financial situation and can help you explore options and put your desired outcome into focus. They may be able to recommend an attorney as well if you decide to go the trust route. A financial planner can't do a trust for you. Only a licensed attorney can practice law. That's why I would caution you against drafting a trust through an online service. A look at the fine print will usually reveal that they aren't giving and they aren't licensed to give legal advice. These sites only help you complete legal forms. If you need a trust, you really should see an estate attorney. The cost for a straightforward trust can be in the $1,500 to $3,000 range. It really varies. More complicated is more costly. If you have a large estate that is more than $10 million, you could easily save more than the attorney's fees with tax savings. A trust could also save your loved ones from an expensive will contest in probate court if you think you might be facing a deathbed Jerry Springer scenario. A trust may also be the best way to care for loved ones that can't fully support themselves, whether because they are too young or have limitations or special needs. Okay, well that about wraps up this week's episode. As always, I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Like to find out more? Visit us at moneypilotadvisor.com. Let's team up and land your financial life.